0: Hello and welcome to Venture the Words, where we explore storytelling in all its forms. I'm Rob. I'm Kate. And we should start things off by saying Happy New Year. Happy New Year. 2017 has arrived, and what better way than to look back on the books that we've read in 2016 with our now annual awards show.
1: So we're setting up the new year by um, kind of looking back on... 2016 which in some ways was an appalling year uh, depending on your perspective um, it was certainly a year with a lot of ups and downs um, a lot of things that were very unexpected and I think both of us found that it was a year where perhaps um, it was not really a very good ye- uh, reading year which we actually talked about a bit in our, our kind of Christmas show where really we focused on just sort of playing a game with our good friends and having fun, um having an adventure with words. Um we did recommend a few good books, but other than that we just sort of had a bit of fun and a bit of a laugh. Uh, But really this year we're sort this this time I guess we'll probably look forward to a few things which are out in 2017, which we read in 2016. Um, But hopefully these are a few of the high points of last year. Um, so we will remember some of the good things about n- last year and look forward to few, a few things which will be published in 2017 um, that, you know, we read early um, and you will now be able to get your hands on. Yeah, we'll see how it goes.
0: So shall we start things off with our best reread of the year?
1: Well, I'm, that's which, going to be very quick for me, so I, I will just say, again, I actually didn't reread anything in 2016. Um, I, uh, I should probably say at this point, I didn't meet my Goodreads target. I set a target of um, 65, I think, um, and I didn't meet that, but I did read more than uh, you did overall, but I didn't reread... Um, anything. I was actually intending to um, reread The Beach by Alex Garland because um, I got given a really nice um, anniversary edition of that um, which was published um, by Penguin um, but I didn't get round to rereading that unfortunately. I was going to read that over the summer um, but you did do some rereading.
0: I did. I thought I would go back and reread some of the Tintin Tin series. I mean I didn't get um, particularly far into it. I only got as far up to the Blue Lotus, but it was quite good fun reading some of the early ones, seeing how the character evolved, um, I'm a big fan of the film, big fan of the animated show, so I'm probably going to continue doing that, maybe about one a month, Yeah, just keep going, um, a bit of childhood nostalgia really for me mm.
1: eh? Well, that's nice. And it's, I mean, one of the things that we've talked about on and off um, a couple of times during the year, we did a whole show on it actually more recently, and then we've mentioned it a few times just in passing, is comfort reading. Hmm. And sometimes that's rereading things. Sometimes it's reading something which reminds you of something from your childhood. So I think having something or like maybe something that's part of a series. Um, So I certainly read things that were part of a series so they had that feeling of familiarity so you know perhaps that will be something for you you know hopefully 2017 will be mm. a bit more smooth sailing shall we say yeah, I but say that. you know maybe that will give you a feeling of a bit more familiarity as we go on But um, our next category uh, is best um, science fiction and fantasy. So um, I guess in terms of comfort zones generally, that's maybe a bit more mine than yours. But um, you went for something that was a bit more um, comfort reading within that anyway.
0: It was. It's a late entry, as in I only read it a few days ago. Uh, not really a book. It's more of a comic book. But I signed up myself up to Marvel Unlimited, which is probably easiest if you've got an iPad. It's like a Netflix for comics. And so I very much binge read on the Star Wars and Darth Vader series that they're currently putting out now. Mm. Started from the beginning, so I'm about a year and a bit behind. But obviously you and I saw the new film Rogue One. And I was very much in the the frame of mind that I wanted to read more or enjoy more Star Wars and so I thought, why not? Mm-hmm. And it's sort of, they're set just after A New Hope but it's in between, it's in between A New Hope and an Empire Strikes Back and it's sort of new stories I've not seen before. It's all official sort of canonised stories and, yeah, quite enjoyed it really.
1: So do you think this is kind of in response to the more interest in Darth Vader with the whole like, um, right, kylo ren and like more interest in how he's kind of evolved
0: and possibly i mean there are now individual um han solo series princess yeah. leia series so each character's got their own sort of spin on it
1: kind of they uh, go more into the backstories of all of yeah. the characters i yeah. mean obviously we know most people know i'm mm. not i'm not going to say it out loud just in case but most people know who Darth Vader is and how hmm. he came to be, sort of thing.
0: But Although with the Vader series, some of the dialogue is a little bit odd, because he's, obviously he's very he's usually talking, he's rather menacing, and this yeah. is him sort of almost having ordinary conversations with people, which is a little well, bit strange.
1: I, I suppose, in a way, he is a bit younger. And he is in this one, yes. He's sort of being more of an ordinary officer, as well, it Well, it's after A know. New
0: Hope, so he's chasing down the rebels who have just Doing blown his up. his job. The Death Star... Yeah, it was just it was just odd at first to see him having Yeah, conversations, going like, about his business almost. Yeah. <laughs> so, what did you go for?
1: Um, I went for Morning Star by Pierce Brown, which is the final book in the kind of Red Rising trilogy, which sees darrow and his rebel friend i mean i've talked about this quite a bit but like darrow was the original sort of rebel on mars um rebelling against this um kind of genetically modified empire it's like a kind of a bit like inspired by the roman empire but this is in the future you know, they've kind of taken the sort of greek and roman mythology and they the the, the Humans have sort of modified themselves, and that there are now these kind of different stratas of humans um because people have modified themselves to be the you know these some in some cases incredibly augmented improved versions of humans um, and depending on you know what kind of class you fit into like physically and genetically, you do different jobs. and this is like the third installment basically of, of this um, set of books. And I just they're incredibly exciting. They're very, very dramatic. There's lots about kind of class warfare Uh, but and also kind of by implication race as well because the um people in charge are are effectively like um the kind of imperial but also it's like um they're they're sort of um the Aryans Mm. if you like and the people who are the the um rebels are all different you know collected from all most of the lower sort of stratas but they're you know they're all the different races as it were and kind of mixed together but you know the lowest people are the darkest color of skin and so on so there's Mm. the kind of implication of race warfare as well and um i i think it's handled very well and it's very very well written and it's sort of very exciting science fiction as well i think they're very very good books um and there are apparently some more of them coming um like another set of three um maybe maybe the end of 2017 um and i believe the next one is called iron gold so a gold is the the name of a one of the quite high, not the highest race but quite a high up race. Um, someone who's pretty uh, tough iron obviously because it's hard. Um, so yeah, so we'll see. We'll mm. See what they like, but I mean I think Pierce Brown is a really really good writer. It seems like a seems like a decent bloke, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens.
0: So moving on, we've got the Best Mystery or Thriller of the Year. Do you want to go first?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, I went four, because I, I, <laughs> I've i kind of put them as like a series, because I read, because um, I, I got halfway through the second one, so I finished uh reading the second one and then i went on and got up to date with them uh all the wells and Wong detective series by robin stevens so if i oh sorry i've just zoomed out of my notes page there instead of uh scrolling across to the website sorry about that um so the books that i'm referring to are arsenic for tea which is the second one then first class murder which is the third one jolly foul play which is the fourth one and then the most recent one which is like a kind of christmasy theme is called mistletoe and murder so that's that's uh the most recent the most recent books um so i've mentioned them on the podcast a few times but um i really really like them um so the two main characters are called daisy wells and hazel wong and um the books are mostly set uh, in or around these two girls and their school, which is called Deep Dean School for Girls, uh, which is a boarding school, and it's sort of early half of the 20th century. So Robin kind of tackles... Obviously, there's a mystery story at the heart of everyone. It's often a kind of... Like the, what you imagine a kind of Agatha Christie-style, kind of golden age mystery so there's often a kind of locked room element or there's a you know it's quite a traditional style mystery so there's there'll be kind of red herrings and um you know that one of them a body disappears but the girls saw the murder so they have to try and prove there was a murder but without there being a body so often like Hmm. disappearing bits of evidence or because they're Um, only schoolgirls, they're sort of prevented from investigating in some way, but then there are other elements too, so the fact that they are girls, it sort of investigates bits of sort of early feminism, the fact that Hazel is not British, the fact that she's come from Hong Kong, um, Hazel isn't actually her given name it's a name that she's taken to fit in better in the UK so then it talks a bit about how her feeling not fitting in um, and it picks up a bit more on that in Mistletoe Murder because she meets some other people who also are living in Britain but aren't originally British so it sort of picks up on people of um, different races um, it actually picks up on different sexualities and all these sorts of things, but it, it does it without it feeling in clunky or shoehorned in or anything like that. I think it does it really really well. Um, so what you're thinking about is just these really really good characters and um, there's these excellent, really well tightly plotted mystery stories. So you can read them as a grown-up who just enjoys these really nicely tightly plotted mysteries or you can buy them for your, I would say, sort of a good reader of eight or upwards, or otherwise um, a child of sort of 10 or 11 or upwards. And I I think they work really well. So there we go. Mm. Really like them. Really good fun.
0: My choice was one that I'd had as a proof kicking around for quite a while, but only got around to reading this year, was... The truth about the Harry Cubitt affair, which is a thriller about it's a, a very successful novelist called Marcus Goldman. He comes out with his, his first book, um, huge success, but then he struggles with the second one, you know, the old second album mm, syndrome. Mm. So he goes back to spend some time with his mentor, um, the Harry Cubitt of the title. And it then turns into a sort of missing persons, a murder mystery, all set in sort of a New Hampshire. Uh, very small uh, town in America. Everyone knows each other. So it's kind of like white picket fences. Um, mm. It felt And it felt very convincing from what I'd seen. But obviously this was written, um, I read it in translation, as Joel Dicker is uh, Swiss, I believe.
1: Yeah, like I think that. so. So it's
0: translated by Sam Taylor. And it's, it's kind of set to do with... Um, writing there's a mystery he's trying to sort you know clear his mentor's name um there's all it's sort of um each chapter is sort of counting down to one through all these rules that harry cuba is teaching his his pupil mm. the lesson the rules are about writing so i don't want to say too much with more without giving it away but i really enjoyed it it was really good fun and nice twisty turny storyline plot kept you guessing and it's one that i would rather recommend
1: hmm so the next category is um, Best Historical Book. So it's interesting, because I... Did you start reading this last year? Did this cross over? So this must be an early pick, uh, early one in the year for you. This is one
0: of the earliest books that yeah. I've read, actually, in the year, yes. Because I went for Any Human Heart by William Boyd. So I must have... Um, I think I read this start, end of last year, mm. and it crossed over, and... I don't read many historical books, but this is one that really stuck with me as I'd seen the TV show on Channel 4 absolutely years ago and I'd only really got around to reading it now. And it's, it's a good historical one because it covers a whole man's life. That's kind of the way I looked at it mm. is how, how you follow it through. Um, so you can go back and listen to what I thought about it, but it was really good. you got all these interweaving of real historical events and people and yeah, it's, it's not really been talked much this year. <laughs>
1: i don't think <laughs> i mean i've picked one that's a lot more recent which i i talked about a lot when we were doing the our book and podcasts which is do not say we have nothing by madeline thien which i just thought was absolutely stunning so um i mean i as i said i have talked about this but so Just to remind you, you've got these sort of different storylines which interweave. You've got a storyline which is um, set in Canada in 1999 where you've got Marie and her mother taking in um, Ai Ming who's fled from China and um, Ai Ming tells Marie about her family in revolutionary China and... You know, she she tells her about her her sort of relations, um, Julie and Kai, who is a pianist, and gradually we get more and more into the story of her relations until you realise how they interweave with Marie and her mother. You you realise that like Sparrow and Julie and Kai are actually all interwoven and there's also this incredible sort of interweaving with this um like writing of this folk tale as well um, and I think the, the way that it's all woven together you you gradually go forwards chronologically as well with the story um, from the their very early life when they're they're young and very very idealistic until um the the revolution is kind of breaking down and really becoming quite harmful and destructive um and more and more people are being harmed um and their their ideals are breaking down um i f- I found it just well i i mean i know, I'm, i thought I knew about what this period of time was like and I suppose I found it really eye-opening reading the novel um because obviously I didn't know anywhere near as much as I thought I did Um, which is one thing um it was incredibly moving um just so so beautiful um and also shocking and horrifying just to think that people lived I mean we think that we live in a time now where there's kind of fake news and um you know you can't trust what people are saying on social media but to have so little freedom and so little trust in anything and to have to just watch what you say all the time and it's just terrifying absolutely terrifying I just thought it was so so beautifully written I, I can't praise it enough really it's just astonishing such a beautiful book there just there were just a few books this year I just I read which I just thought were absolutely stunning this is one of them so I couldn't I couldn't not choose this (laughs) for yeah there was no contest really so so beautiful um if you if you haven't read it I just I just thought it was absolutely wonderful so there we are that's definitely Uh, the best historical book that I read this year. So there we go.
0: Now we move on to possibly our favourite category out of the whole (laughs) award show, which is the Simon Savage Best Nazi Novel Award. Now, Simon has asked us to clarify this.
1: Does not mean that Simon Savage is a Nazi or condones Nazis or fascism. Uh, It is just because he thinks that we always read lots of books that involve Nazis. Now, in fact, this year... This, uh, the book that I have chosen, I've had to choose this one particular book because this is in fact the only book that I have read that has got uh, Nazis mentioned explicitly in it.
0: Mine's almost the same actually, yes.
1: So there we go, Simon. Um, (laughs) So um, my choice this year is uh, Crooked Heart by Lissa Evans, which I read um, in January. 2016 it's actually very good um, it so it's not just that um, I it's very enjoyable it's uh, it was long listed for the Bailey's prize I think as well mm. um, it's very funny and it involves um, a small child being um, evacuated to the countryside and he ends up being evacuated from away from his um, slightly um, sort of dotty grandma, which is sad. But then he ends up being evacuated to live with someone who turns out to be a con woman, which is rather amazing. Mm. And they end up being a sort of slightly unlikely team, which is sort of bittersweet, but also really quite funny. And I, I really enjoyed reading it. So, yeah, good, good fun. Mm. Enjoyed that.
0: My choice was Strike Lightning by Steve Cole. So this is still part of the Young Bond series. And we're edging closer and closer now to World War II. So this one does feature um, weapons being built for by the Nazis and, you know, the rise of Hitler in, the, in Germany. So we're getting closer and closer towards what's Bond going to do as he gets older, as he takes part in the Second World War. So this was really, yeah, really, I think the only one possibly that actually mentions Nazis. So sorry, Simon, we might struggle next year
1: yeah we'll have to see how it goes but yeah not uh quite such obvious choices um our next category was best comic novel um neither of us again read lots of comic fiction but we both managed to find something i actually had a couple of possibilities and i had read the same one as you but i deliberately went for something different so we could mention a couple of things
0: so i went for the portable Veblen by elizabeth Mackenzie, which was also on the baileys list um, I guess most people will know it as the talking squirrel book or the squirrel book. <laughs> and there's a picture of the uh, squirrel on the cover. And this is, uh, it was a rather odd, quirky little book. Mm. I think you possibly might have enjoyed it more than I did.
1: I actually really did enjoy it. To
0: say I still, I still did really enjoy it, but it had its odd, sort of slightly odd moments. So uh, the main character is, is Veblen um, and she has a rather dysfunctional family. Um, she wants to be a translator and her fiancé, Paul, um, ends up sort of embroiled in this... He's trying to do um, good for trauma on the battlefield, but ends up with there's all these bizarre military contracts. Um, and it's sort of a meeting of the families when they get engaged. And the whole time, Veblen is... Veblen is she seems to think this is a particular squirrel that's following her around. Mm. Can't really say much more than that. But, yeah, it was a delightfully quirky I think yes, it yes I think
1: con- consequences ensue yes is the best way to put it um I think saying it's a. A lot of people say it's a book with a talking squirrel, which I think is putting it a little bit strongly, actually. It's not exactly that way round. Um,
0: that's not the main driving no, point. It's not the premise, exactly really, is it? No, it's just sort it's of. Not really. It's sort of a thing that's there.
1: But yeah, yeah. kind of quirky families, um, strange hippie backgrounds, mm. um, sort of misunderstandings, lots of things that just don't go quite right. Um, I, I did really enjoy this it genuinely did make me laugh out loud i because rob has picked this i've actually picked out something else which i I think i enjoyed equally um which is uh the trouble with goats and sheep by joanna cannon which i almost did choose as a sort of mystery thriller but i actually chose as a comic novel because i thought i just thought the two Main characters, so these two little girls are just wonderful. Um, there are some quite sort of, again, bittersweet parts to it um, which are not always funny that you know there are some quite sort of tragic sort of scenes where um you do get some sort of quite sad things about families which are revealed I just love the relationship between the the two the two young girls who are the main characters and I just think they're so sweet and funny um I just think they're wonderful and yeah it's not funny all the way through but it just it made me chuckle and i really enjoyed it so for me i think it's a comic novel and i think it works really well so there we go i very much enjoyed it
0: next category is the most unputdownable book of the year and this is mm. where kate has only cheated the once now
1: yeah i've uh, been very good this year really
0: well i went for the essex serpent by sarah perry i've, I've raved about this book quite a lot um, it's just beautifully written it's it's so perfectly put together it's an actual beautiful object as a book itself, mm. the hardback um, the, with the green cover, there's a couple of editions you can get now, one's the Waterstones one which is sort of a blue tint, we have got the one that's green and I thought it was just a really really wonderful book and Kate you really do need to read it
1: I will, I will, I promise yeah. I promise I will get round to it, I just haven't got round to it yet, that's all but I will definitely read it and I mean, ev- everyone is raving about it, and it's, yeah, it's been nominated of all sorts of things, I promise I will definitely, definitely read it, um, so I've, this is my one time that I've cheated, and normally I cheat all over the place, but this is my one time that I've cheated, because it, de- it just demonstrates that the books were obviously, you know, really I was not able to put them down, because, uh, I went Uh, I read The Sin Eater's Daughter by Mel Salisbury and straight away had to go and buy a copy of The Sleeping Prince and read it immediately afterwards. And I was reading The Sleeping Prince and The Bath, which I rarely do, and I ended up in a freezing cold bath um, because I just wanted to carry on reading um, because I just found them so addictive. Um, I just thought they were brilliant there was just such good fun um and like r- just really good um adventures um very sort of sexy characters they're uh, sort of ya fantasy novels with uh, a really interesting female lead who is effectively in a situation where she has power taken away from her and she's trying to sort of regain control of the situation even though she's had her agency removed from her and it's this sort of really interesting situation where she's been lied to and she has to try and um, sort of regain an un- control of her world and sort of understand what's really going on in her world um, despite the fact that people aren't being honest with her um, and there's some very interesting twists and turns um mel is quite ruthless in disposing of characters um she doesn't let you sit comfortably uh so there we go yeah um i i just thought they were really great fun um and i whizzed through them so there we go and i'm very looking very much looking forward to the next one yeah
0: Next up is Best Nonfiction, which I, I think I tend to read more than you do, actually.
1: Yeah, I'd say that's true.
0: So why don't you go first?
1: Um, so, yeah, it's completely different in tone to the last one. So my Best Nonfiction uh, was Another Day in the Death of America by Gary Young. So, yeah, a <laughs> bit of a tone change. Um, so the idea with this book is that um, in any given day... Um, I think there's something like an average of um, sort of twelve or so young people die due to um, gunshots in America. Um, you know, but I mean, there there are young people dying every day in America due to gunshot wounds, and these these are not adults. These are not people going out and you know who who own guns these are people being being shot these are people too young to own guns even um so gary went and just picked at any day basically and he then wrote wrote the stories of the the young people who had died at, as a result of being shot on that day um and he went and Met the families. He went and researched um, what had happened in, in each case, and it's just, well, I mean, it's quite harrowing to read. And in, he's not making moral judgments about anyone. He's not, um, you know, going out of his way to sort of come down on one side or another he he does it very journalistically he just goes and you know tells the story of each person each person's family what happened in each case but i mean certainly as someone who lives in a country where you can't legally just have guns in your own home as a matter of course i found it quite horrifying and I guess I wonder, I mean, I don't know if it will would make any difference to people in the US or anywhere else, but it was certainly quite astonishing to read, and I think it's an amazing piece of journalism. So, yeah, it's very moving.
0: mum was a bit different in tone to that, and it was Happy by Darren Brown. So Darren Brown, in case you don't know, He's sort of a stage performer, an illusionist, um, not really a magician. There tends to be a lot of um, mind reading and uh, hypnotism involved in his stage shows. This is a book about what it means to be happy in the modern age. And also it looks at some of the more dangerous aspects of the self-help books that you can get these days, uh, the the idea of positive thinking. And he's more looking back at... um, how we can use sort of ancient philosophy, how that's still as relevant today um, as it was then, and it was interesting. It was just looking at how um, quite often it's just our perspective on things that can have an effect on not only our mind but also our body, and I, I enjoyed it. It was um, I didn't I wasn't expecting him quite to be the person who would teach me all about ancient philosophy. But it's certainly got me more interested along those lines. Uh, it's very easy to read and it's quite easy, easy almost to dip in and out of. You haven't got to read it from start to finish. You can mm. just go to the bits that interest you. So, yeah, I quite enjoyed that one. Um, I think out of all the non-fiction that I did read this year, it probably had the one you know where you put, I probably learnt the most yeah. out of everything in, in all the respects about the subject, about me almost. So, yeah, it's highly recommended. That's Happy by Darren Brown.
1: It's really interesting. Um, the next category is Best Sense of Place. Uh, I don't know, we've both chosen um, books that will make you happy, Rob. They're
0: both published by uh, Headline. Yes, thank and you. They are.
1: Uh, So I've chosen To the Bright Edge of the World by Aon Ivey. So her first book the snow child um came out a few years ago but it was one of my absolute fa- like still is one of my absolute favorites just such a stunning book kind of inspired by um a russian fairy tale um but she's moved the location to alaska uh but then to the bright edge of the world is um much more overtly uh, in kind of real world alaska but then in some ways it is, but then in some ways it's quite, it's got this kind of edge of magical realism because it takes um, kind of Alaskan folk tales um, and on the travels and kind of exploration into Alaska, um, the Western um, military explorers actually start to encounter some of the, things that are perhaps just you know, mythological creatures but certainly they seem to encounter them in real life and I just thought the way that she created that sense of place you know partly of the characters back at the at the fort at the military encampment but then also of the explorers as they range into the Alaskan wilderness you know and start to encounter these Um, you know kind of mythical creatures and happenings was just extraordinary her her power of description is just amazing um and I think obviously she spends a lot of time researching and we actually went to we were at an event where she talks about the way she researches um she she does it in a, a sort of partly uh, methodical but then sometimes she, she'll kind of come across things as they appear it was, it was interesting to hear about how she researches um but yeah I just thought it was absolutely stunning I I really really love her writing um uh, so I'd I'd highly recommend that to to anyone
0: my choice was Mussolini's Island by Sarah Day which isn't actually out till next year and I hadn't I chose this one because I hadn't when it comes to sort of sense of place this is something that I hadn't felt that I was completely real since I'd read something like Shadow of the Wind. And this is, um, it's set in Italy, and it's just the story of Francesco and a group of young men, and they're all rounded up by, and this is during the rise of fascism, Mussolini, and um, so anyone suspected of being gay is rounded up and put onto this island of San Dominio. And the, the men know that someone has given the authorities all their names. So mm. that they know that someone has has betrayed them, and so it's partly set on the island it's it's partly set on the mainland, and you get a real sense of place of what this place is i could I could picture the geography clearly in my mind. I knew the layout of the island, the streets itself on the mainland all felt completely real, and you also get a sense of place of not only their sort of community but also there were people living on the island and you and you meet a young girl called Elena who is. Growing up into this world, there is war looming. All she really sees as a future for herself is to be married off and basically become mm. a housewife, and she doesn't want to do that. She's wondering who these prisoners are. And I felt that it was you got the sense of not only time, but also place as well. It was that sort of feeling of this feeling that something is looming, things aren't quite right, people are resisting the changes that they're that their elected officials are putting them through. It's a time when people couldn't necessarily be themselves. They were afraid to be who they really were. So um, I, I thought it's, it's really good. I really enjoyed it. And a sense of place, I, I felt like I was there.
1: Um, when's that out?
0: That's out to the end of February oh, cool. um, in Hartback. Uh,
1: so um, the next category is most manipulative. So I guess that's the one that sort of, puts you into certain um sort of positions or maybe it's got like a great twist or you know makes you think certain things and so you picked any human heart again for that one
0: well i went for that one because despite knowing the the story from the television show i chose sort of manipulative in a way because it does weave you in and out of real events but also you're seeing a whole man's life so i did it manipulatively in the case that um You become so attached to this one person, you see his whole life going through, that um, the fact that I still knew what was going to happen, Mm. it still affected me and still had a resounding impact after I'd read it. So that's the one I went for.
1: Mm. I picked Birdie by Jess Valance. So um, I nearly picked this as well for the comic novel, because it did make me laugh, but then it's very dark and I'm just wondering if perhaps that makes me a bit of a bad person for finding it so funny. <laughs> um perhaps it just says a bit more about me. Although I tweeted Jess about that and she was like, No, that's fine. Um but then she's quite dark as well. Um so Birdie is YA uh it's published by Hotkey. Um so Birdie is the, like, the nickname of someone called Frances, because um, she's called Frances Bird. She's a bit of a loner. She's given up on finding real friendship. Um, then she gets asked to, you know, for whatever reason, show a new girl around school um, who is also a bit, Weird, a bit sort of eccentric. She's called Alberta. Um, turns out that she has a bit of uh, an odd past as well. She's sort of been homeschooled for a bit. Um, yeah, she's sort of a bit unusual. Um, and then, and you know, Birdie starts to maybe reevaluate their friendship a bit as she starts to learn more about Alberta you know maybe she's not quite the person that she thought you know she uh, Alberta starts behaving a bit differently towards her after a while um and as the book goes on um perhaps you start to question you know are you being told everything and actually um it's you know for you of course it would ring alarm bells immediately because it's a first-person narrator.
0: Oh, right. Never trust a first-person narrator.
1: Yeah. Sorry. Um, so, and it's... Uh, obviously, a first-person narrator, you can't ever trust them completely because you're getting everything from their point of view. Uh, and it's, it is very funny, um, but you are just getting it from their point of view. And then there's the most incredible few twists... And obviously, I won't say what they are, but it's absolutely brilliant. Um, and things start to get very weird. And then, yeah, you just you just have to go with it and just see what you think. But I thought it was wonderful. Um, but yeah, I d- but as, as I say, the fact that I think it's so funny perhaps says more about me <laughs> than anyone else. But I I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was absolutely genius so yeah but it is it is very manipulative um it certainly takes you where it wants you to go but I, I don't want to say any more because i don't want to spoil it so there we go
0: well next up is the our most emotional or most moving book uh, if you go first on this one, because I've got two in a row recently for this one.
1: Ah, okay. So, yep. um, my choice for this one was Ruby by Cynthia Bond. Um, this was one that I read uh, when we were looking at the books that were nominated for the Bailey's Prize. So, I and I just thought, I mean, this is another one of my books that are kind of contenders for books of the year, really. Um, I thought it was absolutely stunning and written in a really, really unusual way, um, where... You're sort of sometimes not quite sure if things are real or not. Mm. And I started to feel as I was reading that sometimes things are real and then sometimes you're almost reading from the inside of Ruby's head, if Mm. that makes sense. Um, So sometimes you're sort of seeing things um as she would see them and then sometimes you realize that actually things are a little bit magical a little bit spiritual and those sort of magical creatures are there in the world so things are sort of like a little bit woozy like the the boundaries of reality are a little bit permeable sort of things are slipping through sometimes um but if you just go with that, I just oh, I just thought it was so wonderful, um, and it's just the you know this incredible story of what's happened to this woman, and basically what how you how you kind of get punished for not fitting in, essentially mm, yeah, yeah. that she just didn't she just didn't fit into the very defined boundaries that society would accept at that time in sort of 1950s southern states of america she just didn't fit into those tight categories and so they just would not accept that at all um she goes to the big city it doesn't work out for her there she comes back she's treated as a madwoman essentially and an outcast um people use her appallingly when actually there's really nothing wrong with her. And I just yeah, it's sort of heartbreaking and also quite shocking, but yeah, also incredibly moving. And it and it kinda of gradually unravels what is really at the basis of you know, all all the stuff that's been going on with her. And it's it's quite astonishing that really it could have all been sorted out, but it's it's to do with people not wanting to cause a fuss and people not wanting to ruin reputations and so on. Yeah, it's very interesting, but I just thought it was just an absolutely astonishing book.
0: So my choice for this and also for Best in Translation was... A Whole Life by Robert C. Taylor, as I think we're saying it. Um, it's a very slim book. Mm. But it took me very much by surprise um, in a number of ways. And so it's the story of Andreas and he lives his whole life uh, out on the Austrian Alps and we sort of see it change over time. Um, he only leaves there once, which is to fight in World War Two. Mm. And so I guess it's a bit like a, any human heart. We're following him through his whole life. Um, he falls in love. There's... there's there's tragedy mm. and for such a small book it has an awful an awfully big emotional punch to it yeah it's one of those things where again you you, you don't realise that it's written in translation almost at times mm. so that was for me um, a choice I've, and there's also he's got a, new, a later one out now called The Tobacconist which I'm looking forward to reading
1: oh yeah I've heard of and,
0: that and yeah it took me completely by surprise I didn't know really what to expect from it at all Um, But once I started, I read it incredibly quickly, but it felt like such a bigger story, such, there's much more to it than than what meets the eye.
1: Interesting.
0: That was me. That was my choice.
1: So that's your choice for in translation as well? Yes. Um, I've managed not to read anything in translation this year, so that's a bit of a fail for me. So I'll have to try and read some more things in translation next year. That would be one of my aims, one of my bookish resolutions. Um so in terms of book of the film, um we talked about this last year. Um we'd seen the film Carol um, but we hadn't actually read the book. So (laughs) since then we've both read the book. Um and I think for both of us um that's the only book of a film that we've read this year. But it, it is a worthy winner. Absolutely, um, it just was my fantastic my
0: second Patricia Highsmith after the talented Mr. Ripley. I believe it was your first. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. the, the first Patricia Highsmith. I mean, the book was originally published as The Price of Salt, um, and it's now being published as Carol. So that's the name on my copy.
0: And we re- we quite easily recommend either of those, the book and the film. They're just as good as each other.
1: Uh, yeah, both just. And they're, they're slightly different um, the, the film adaptation isn't quite the same as the book but both absolutely brilliant I've you know really really enjoyed reading both of them um, I'd recommend reading the book and seeing the film because I think they're both fantastic
0: absolutely which moves us on to favourite lead characters so it was a nice and easy one for me um, I finally got around to reading The House of Silk by Anthony Horowitz which is a um the first of his Sherlock Holmes stories. So uh-huh. obviously uh Sherlock Holmes was my favourite character in that one.
1: <laughs> very uh, good. It was,
0: it was a very good um it's it's a, it's set in the t- in within the time frame of Sherlock Holmes stories. Once again Watson is narrating, but he's looking back at a story that could only be told until after Sherlock's death and oh. nice twists and turns. It felt very authentic. Actually at the end of the book, um Anthony Horowitz details his 10 rules about writing a Sherlock Holmes story which he sticks to pretty much and uh, I've got Moriarty to look forward to after that which I think is a take on the classic villain and of course New Year's Day we have a new Sherlock episode off from the BBC
1: Yes, of course. Look yeah, looking well. forward to that. Slightly
0: different take on names. But yes, again. But still enjoyable. But,
1: uh, so my favourite uh, lead character, I think because she was just really unexpected and just really interesting, um, was Wing Jones from the book of the same name, Wing Jones, uh, which is, I think, it's in shops now. It's out at the very beginning of January. But it's, I think, already in bookshops because it arrived there. So it's, you know, if you pop into a bookshop, um, you might be able to get your hands on a copy. It's got amazing um, rainbow sprayed edges to the pages. Mm. It's very beautiful. uh, By Catherine Webber. So um, she's called Wing Jones because her grandmother is from China. Uh, One grandmother is from China and the other grandmother is from Ghana. So hence the kind of... Interesting name and it's been described as Jandy Nelson Meets Friday night lights. <laughs> so it's set in 90s America and basically Wing is a kind of mixed race teenage girl. Um she's kind of getting bullied at school um because she's not really fitting in, but her brother is getting a lot of admiration because he plays American football, so he kind of gets a free pass. Except that then, uh, at a party, he's involved in a drink driving accident. So suddenly he goes from, you know, school hero to effectively school villain. He's very badly hurt, but nonetheless, he's, he's, you know, suddenly incredibly unpopular. So part of the way that she copes with this is to start running. Because it's a way to kind of channel her frustration and her energy and she actually discovers she's really good at running she's really fast and yeah it's a way to kind of channel her energy and you know that's why the book has a trainer on the front and I you know didn't imagine I would necessarily find a book about running this entertaining but genuinely it's brilliant and she's such a fantastic character there is a kind of romantic storyline But there's also a lot about how you balance the different commitments in your life when you're a teenager, because in real life, you can't just drop everything and go after a boy you also have to think about your schoolwork and if there's you've got another passion like sport you have to balance that as well so I quite enjoyed the fact that she actually has to think about that and also how you balance that with your family and you know she also doesn't have a lot of money in her family so she has to balance that as well um she's just a really delightful character I really really enjoyed spending time with her so
0: Mm.
1: yeah I thought she was great
0: so, from our favourite lead character to our favourite villain of the year, we've both gone for slightly—we've
1: um, <laughs> gone for very yeah. 2016 villains. Yeah. Neither of us have actually picked a person. I suppose
0: mine could be a person,
1: well, to an extent, sort of. Well, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, shall I go first? Yeah, go. Uh, for so it. I went for this is the oppressive state in the noise of time by Julian Barnes. So I was kind of thinking along the lines of. You know, a bit of a bit of Stalin, um, a bit of the sort of watching over, watching over mm. you, careful what you have to say in Russia at that time, and it's so. It's it's about the Russian composer. Now wait for it as I get this completely wrong. Dmitry Shostakovich.
1: Shostakovich.
0: Shostakovich, who is a composer, and. He's A lot of it, he's basically waiting to be rounded up by, mm. by the police. He's packed his bag and he's waiting in the lobby by the lift, waiting for them to come and get him um, after one of his most recent works. He ends up sort of being denounced. And it's it's him then thinking how he got to this point. Uh, he, he, at one point, goes off to America, where I guess he gets to see things, where things are different. But you get this whole sense of things pressing down on him and the people and if you say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing then you can just that's it you're gone in the middle of the night Mm. so I went for the 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 kind of that regime as a whole I guess you could say Stalin but yeah we'll go for the whole the whole regime at the time
1: this feels quite um mm,
0: relevant relevant now anyway what's Mm. your choice
1: well I went for toxic masculinity In another sport-related novel, actually. Who knew that I would enjoy reading sport-related novels? Mm. Um, But this is a novel that is out in 2017. It's called A Natural by Ross Raisin. Um, Ross Raisin was um, one of, like, Granter, best young British novelists and so on. Um, And his new novel, um, A Natural, is about um, this young footballer getting into playing professional football in the UK but quite a lot of it is not so much on the pitch it's not like dream team but it's it's about kind of all the all the pressures that go with it the fact that he's there on his own and the fact that he is actually really young, and all the, the 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 kind of toxicity of having to be a certain kind of man, um, even though he's not necessarily that kind of man, um, you know the the kind of banter and the yelling of the crowd and the um, having to not be who you are, and you know it, the. Kind of homophobia and um, you know the kind of machismo and all this sort of thing, um, and it also it does kind of. P- pick out a couple of other characters so like one of the players who used to be a really really big star but has kind of now got injured and his star is waning um and it it kind of shows him and how his career is sort of deteriorating one of the groundsmen who's having to sort of again fit in with the eth you know not the ethos of the club exactly but the that kind of version of masculinity and so on so it's that whole kind of even though in theory things are supposed to be changing and actually the club is quite good um people are still having to fit in with a certain view of the way that people should be um and it's, it's so well written it's really really good and I really enjoyed reading it Um, And I'll be really interested to see what the reaction to it is when it's when it's um, released. It's um, out, I think, April, April 2017. And it's it's the kind of thing where if you enjoy football and sport in general, I think it will be interesting. But in general, if you are interested in feminism and gender and equality and whatnot, I think it will be really interesting to read as well. Mm. It's, I mean, it's just generally a really interesting read
0: yeah so, i'm gonna look into that one
1: yeah yeah so there we go uh next one um it's always a fun one most unusual or surprising we've talked a little bit about things that surprised us already but uh yeah so this one i was surprised when you recommended this to someone a few days ago actually so uh
0: Oh my one, sorry. Yes. yes, well, I went for *Mothering Sunday* by Graham Swift, which I didn't really know what I was expecting. Again, it is a small book, and it's all set on one day, Mothering Sunday. Finally, enough. And but I thought it was it was incredibly, it was incredibly moving. And it just took me by surprise. I didn't because I didn't really know what to expect with it. Um, and it's set in March 1924, and it starts off with well, you meet Jane who is a housemaid and it's she's given the day off on mothering sunday um it's a time when sort of families get together but she's not going to visit her mother she's actually off having an affair with a some from another different household and it's just the, the events of one day and the impact that that can have and can't really say much more than that but it was completely kind of swept, i got swept away i got caught up in it it's the tale of the affair. She's having an affair with someone who she shouldn't be doing. It's sort of a mixture of class as well. And completely, completely caught up in it. To be honest. Hmm.
1: Um,
0: I really didn't know what to expect. What about you?
1: Um, I picked The Comet Seekers by Helen Sedgwick. So this is her first novel. This is published by Harvelsecker. So I read it really early. And so obviously... Um, this you know didn't know what to expect because i was just reading it really like an advanced advanced coffee like before it was even like bound up in a proof or anything um and it's this really magical story of like how two people's lives can be linked together and i suppose people have compared it to the time travellers the time traveler's wife but it doesn't it doesn't have time traveling in it um it's like how two people can be linked Like, people just kind of keep coming back to each other. It's just so beautiful um, and very tragic. And I just just really loved it. I just thought the writing is so stunning. Um, There's lots to do... There's lots in it to do with um, kind of ghosts and visions and how people's past sort of follows them, how you you kind of try to escape what's laid out for you, and you you just can't quite escape it um and that you think you're meant to be with someone, but you i don't know it just doesn't quite work and it, I just thought the writing was so beautiful um I was really really pleasantly surprised by it um yeah it's there's lots about um stars and astronomy in it which I really really love. Um, it goes to these amazing places. So some of it is set in Bayer around the Bayer Tapestry, which makes sense with the astronomy because of the comet. Um, and there's some of it is set in Antarctica. Um, it sort of goes to these incredible locations. Um, yeah, it's just all, all these things which are really really interesting and unusual. Um, yeah, and the way these lives sort of intertwine of these these two people Rochine and Francois um, yeah I just thought it was really really stunning and I hope more people read it because I just think it's really beautiful it's really really lovely so there we go
0: so before we get to our final category of book of the year it's worth mentioning the authors who have passed away this year amongst those were the ones that sort of stuck out to us were Richard Adams author of Warship Down film that's probably scarred many, <laughs> many a child
1: yeah i don't i haven't actually read watership down and neither I, I, yeah. um but i think it's probably the film that's stuck with both of us more than anything um but then you know and these are two people who obviously it's very recent and then also carrie fisher who um obviously a lot of people know best because of playing prince slayer and then See more recently, General Organa, um, but who was also a very accomplished author.
0: And I got uh, The Princess Diaries only just now for my birthday, which um, details the time that she spent uh, filming the first Star Wars film. But she also wrote what people call sort of semi autobiographical novels, Postcards from the Edge, Surrender the Pink and Delusions of Grandma, and her memoir, Wishful Drinking, as well. And I know there's going to be an HBO documentary that they've pushed through, which is to do with her and her mother. So Mm. I think that'll probably be making its way over here shortly.
1: So there we are. Yeah, in a year where a lot of very beloved people passed away, I guess, obviously, it's very sad that we've lost um, Richard Adams and um, Carrie Fisher. But perhaps we can be thankful that there weren't more, a greater number of um, beloved writers (laughs) <laughs>
0: indeed so this I'm brings nervous. us now to book of the year our mm. books of the year and we don't know what we're going to pick each other's going to pick because nope. we've left it off the list that we've been yep. using so shall I go first because you could probably guess mine
1: um, did you want to guess I don't, I'm not going to guess well you, it's you my coming? book of the year
0: is The Essex Serpent oh, quite easily um, I've read about it many a time I genuinely think the accolades that it's been getting are all worthy. You, Kate, you, you must read it. And, no. uh, and I'm not alone in picking it as books of the year, but I think it really was genuinely, genuinely, genuinely brilliant. And everyone should go out and read it.
1: So... Um, I have had quite a lot of difficulty picking my book of the year so I've already mentioned uh, Madeleine Thien who I just think in terms of just like a straight up historical novel I thought Do Not Say We Have Nothing was absolutely stunning um, but then there have also been a couple of other books which have really 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 stood out in terms of just being absolutely brilliant um and that does make it quite tricky so another book that i have read this year which was absolutely absolutely brilliant was homegoing by yarg yasi which is actually out in 2017 um and this is why i was a bit uh you know it's actually really tricky because that is out in 2017 not out in 2016 so should i include that but I did read it in 2016 and absolutely loved it. Um, It is such a fantastic book. And I guess technically it is a historical, you know, it is a historical novel. Uh, And I didn't pick it as my best historical novel, but um, I just, I really, really, really did absolutely love that as well. And I do think it's going to be incredibly important in 2017. And I really, really hope loads and loads of people loved it. And I also thought The Underground Railroad was amazing. Mm. And that's not just a straight up historical novel. That is kind of um, a bit, I'm not a kind of like alternative history because it reimagines the Underground Railroad as a literal railroad underground, where you can travel to different places. It's almost like kind of a, an allegory. So it's hard to explain, you know, how that works exactly. But, I mean, I did think that was brilliant as well. So, yeah, it's very, very hard to pick. But it's, I think... Uh, in terms of books that are out... In 2016,
0: (laughs) I had no idea this. It would be the Madeleine
1: Thien. (laughs) Yes. But in terms of all the books that I read, in total, in 2016, it would be Homegoing by Yaa Gyasi because I just thought that was just such a wonderful book, Um, and I just I also think it's really really an important story, and it's one that I want loads and loads of people to read. Right. So there we go. Ah.
0: So that was our look back at our year in reading in 2016. Uh, do let us know your thoughts if you've read any of those or you think that there's, you know, any important ones that we might have missed out. You can send us an email, contact at adventurewithwords.com. You can follow us on Facebook. Uh, you can send us a tweet at wordadventures and you can head over to the blog, adventurewithwords.com. You can leave a comment under there and you can even leave us a voicemail as well.
1: Um, We've got our list there of all these books, and we're really looking forward to reading more in 2017. We've already got plenty of things to be getting on with. Um, I'm currently very much enjoying um, The Bear and the Nightingale, um, so that's great fun. And um, we hope to hear from you very soon. Have a great 2017.